are better than one because they have a good reward from their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I've often said um, that we need each other. If you've, ever, uh, if you've ever been a part of any of the lessons I've done on Wednesday nights particularly, um, I've, I've often said that we are built to need each other. That we are created for relationship. We are created for community. That we, in our DNA, in who we are, need each other. Um, from the very beginning of time, as you examine the creation of man as is recorded in, in the Word of God, you get the very clear picture that God created us to be in community with one another. First off, first off as, I, as I think about it, the very fact that, that the Word of God says that we were created in the image of God. God, in, in, his, in, in his triune godness, in the godness that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is, is perfect community, right? It is, it is in total unity. It is in total fellowship. That, that, that triune God is one in and unified as one in perfect love, perfect fellowship, perfect community. And so as we look at this, we see that the Bible says that we are created in that image, so, so as a part of who we are, we, we are built with the image of desiring being a part of true community, true relationship. And as I, as I continue to read, I, I, see, I see a very clear um, uh, uh, declaration from God about our need for community, need for relationship. What's the first thing that, G, that God points to and says, it's not good? Right? He creates everything, right? He creates everything. He says, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's not good. And he says, it is not good that man should be what? Right. It's not good that man should be alone. From the very beginning, God, God identified the need, the importance, the value of community, of relationship. It's not good that man is alone. And it's not just an argument from create, the creation story that leads me to the reality that we were created to be in community. It's really from the observation of humanity, right? How many of you guys realize being alone is not good? Infants left without affection develop poorly, don't they? Children left without healthy relationships will never be healthy themselves. 
And adults in isolation will never find purpose or real fulfillment in their lives. It creates a, it creates a warped state. When we don't have communion, when we don't have relationship, it creates a warped state of our very being. Because we were built to be in community. We were made by God to be in community. I think we can see this, this all around us. Particularly in the culture in which we now live. Uh, we live in a really interesting time. We live in a very interesting culture, I think. I was actually talking to my son Tommy about this recently and how I don't think we realize um, how the humans we are today are nothing like what humans were 50 years ago or 100 years ago. It's, it, it's, it's, the diff- it's a different thing. I remember, I, I remember hearing recently, I was watching some, uh, a show on, uh, some science show on TV, which in and of itself is weird. Um, and they were, making, they were actually talking about the wheat we have today, and they, and they were about talking about how because of all the different mutations and all the different changes, the wheat we have today is nothing like what the wheat was 150, 200 years ago. That we'll never get back to that. And it's not just wheat. There's so many other things out there like that where, where the apples we have today are nothing like the apples that were 150 or 200 years ago. The humans we have today are nothing like the human humans were 150 years ago. The way in which we think, the way in which we process things, um, the way in which we feel certain things. And, 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 it's, and, 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 and so we live in this weird culture. We live in this odd culture in which we are becoming increasingly individualistic. While at the same time we talk about uh, social media, right? We talk about being in, in, in society, being in relationship one with another. But the reality is, the more we find ourselves, when we find ourselves in a technological way trying to reach out to people, the less true relationship we have with people. This is what we're seeing all over the place. Studies show that over the last 30 years, time spent with people has decreased dramatically. Survey after survey reports a rise in confessions of loneliness a rise in confessions of feelings of isolation, a rise in confessions of meaninglessness and aimlessness. It's really no wonder there is a precipitous rise in self-medication, whether it's through drugs or alcohol or pornography. And it's no wonder that there is a rise in suicide and a huge growth of, of, of death by drug overdose. Because the more we become isolated, the more we, the more we are by ourselves, the more we, we lose a sense of purpose and a sense of being. And it changes us and it affects us. We are people who need people. I bring this up because I believe God in his grace and wisdom uh, has responded to this need. And I believe that God is responding to this need. Yes, we see it in the creation story. We, we, we see it first with the first family. God looked at Adam and said, it is not good that man is, would, be, would be alone. And so he gives him a wife. And then we see, and then we see that, that, that start of community. The husband and wife, and they have children, and they're not alone, right? God creates that. We see in the Old Testament story of God's people where he brings them together. And time and time again throughout the prophets, even as they're, 
even as they're struggling, even as they're in exile, even as if they're, as they're going through the hardest of times, through the prophets, he delivers a message to the Israelites and, and he says, I want you to know I am with you always. I, I want you to know I'm not, I'm not abandoning you. That, that, that you're not alone. God from heaven looked at his people and in mercy and grace was telling them, I want you to know I understand your sense of loneliness and I want you to know you're not alone. But I want you guys to see an, another way in which God has responded to and is responding to the need of mankind and the need of our culture. And, and, it's, it, and it, is, it is really such a precious response. A precious response that, that too few of us really understand the, 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 how precious of a nature it is. God responded to man's need and our culture's need by giving us the church. One of the greatest gifts God ever gave us was the gift of the church. And, and I know for a lot of us, yeah, even, even imagining church as a gift is hard because we've, we've had a history, we've had situations in which we've come through and, and it seemed at times that that church was, was more of a curse than a gift. Anyone ever have that situation? And so a lot of us, we, we kind of engage with church because we know it's what we're supposed to do, but we never really, we never really cling to it. We never really hold on to it with, with, the, um, uh, with the adoration, with the, with the gratitude of the gift. But I want you guys to understand that the church is a gift to us. I can't tell you how deeply committed I am to the belief that one of the most precious gifts God gave us as a result of Christ's death on the cross is each other. He gave us our church. I can't tell you how deeply committed I am to the belief that one of the most precious gifts God has given to the world that is looking for community is the church. Now, as I look at the death of Christ and I, and, I, and I look at his sacrifice on the cross, there's no question that the greatest gift of Jesus' passion was our salvation. But I would argue that the second greatest gift was our ability to belong in community, unified by that common salvation. We are brothers and sisters in Christ as a result of Jesus Christ shedding his blood to unify us. It's not because I like you. It's not because we like the same things. It's not because we, we share the same blood. It's not because we have the same heritage. It's not because we're of the same nation. It's not because we have the same skin color. All of that fades away. Because the most, the, most, the most prolific, the most, the most prevalent, the most powerful truth is we have all been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see how the shedding of his blood gave us this relationship? How it gave us each other? How it gave us the church to stand next to and stand with? 
Yes, he saved us, uh, us individually. And yes, we receive the blessing of that salvation. The salvation that is found in belonging to Jesus Christ. But if we accept only that, if we accept only the belonging to Jesus Christ, then we have robbed ourselves of the next greatest gift we can receive. The gift that we belong to each other. We belong to each other. And we belong to each other because of the death of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He purchased our place in this community by his blood. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we may belong to one another, united under the banner of his salvation. And that truth has consequences. It matters. It, it means something. It's not just something that we can that we can nod our heads to or say amen to or, 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 or embrace on an intellectual level or even a spiritual level. We have to understand it asks of us something. It, it, it requires us as a, of us something. I open this message with several passages that direct us in the conduct of our lives. Passages that advise, that teach, that command us to be in community. And, and what that community looks like and, and the level to which we must have that commitment to that community. Passage after passage after passage that I just read, and I could stand up here and I could read them for the next hour passages that command of us, call us, direct us, instruct us in how we are to conduct ourselves as it relates to this community. Two are better than one. Iron sharpens iron. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Do all things for the building up of one another. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Each of these passages provides instruction and fellowship that is required if we are going to live in obedience to God and in right understanding of, of the gift that we have in each other. This, 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 this isn't something to be taken lightly. The word of God time and 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 time again in his word instructs us, commands us, calls us to a responsibility one to another. And when we ignore that, we ignore what we've been given by the blood of Jesus Christ as the church. Matt Chandler looks at this and draws this conclusion. He says, when you begin to look at these texts, it becomes clear that God's plan for his church is that we would belong to a local covenant community of faith. This is for our own protection and maturation and for the good of others. If you view church as some sort of ecclesiological buffet, then you severely limit the likelihood of your growing into maturity. He says, growth into godliness can hurt. For instance, as I interact with others in my own local body, my own slothfulness and zeal is exposed, as is my lack of patience, my, my prayerlessness, and my hesitancy to associate with the lowly, as it says in Romans chapter 12. 
Yet this interaction also gives me the opportunity to be lovingly confronted by brothers and sisters who are in the trenches with me, as well as a safe place to confess and repent. But when church is just a place you attend without ever joining, like an an ecclesiological buffet, you just might consider whether you're always leaving whenever your heart begins to be exposed by the Spirit and the real work is beginning to happen. What's the bottom line? Local church membership is a question of biblical obedience, not personal preference. The argument Matt is making and that I agree with is that to be in community, to be in obedience to Christ, we must make a commitment of belonging. Accountability, support, Submission, sharing, caring, discipline, and development require a defined commitment that comes from belonging to your church. You really can't fulfill the responsibilities before God, uh, the responsibilities you have to your brothers, to your sisters in Christ, without taking serious your commitment to your church, to your church family, to the belonging one to another that the establishment of the church means. Now, even as I say this, even as I'm going through this, um, I know for the most part, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, I realize that most of you guys are, are here even this evening because of your commitment to the church, because you volunteer, because you're involved, because you care. But I'm bringing it up to you guys because what I want to permeate us as Mercy Hill is the belief that we will not be fulfilling the mission as Mercy Hill. The mission we have to, to, a, to a hurting and broken world, to a, to a hurting and lonely culture. If we don't hold out these truths, not just amongst ourselves, but to everyone we come in contact with. That the call of community, the call of the church, the gift of the church requires us to have a commitment to each other, to belong to each other. There, There is a very special heart from which Mercy Hill Church was birthed. A, a very special desire, a very special uh, hope for the church that I want you guys to understand. And I don't ever want us to lose this. I don't ever want us to think that Mercy Hill Church is about something other than this. When I was a kid growing up, um, both my parents um, were born and raised here in Milwaukee. They lived their entire lives here. This was something that was really common. One of the reasons why I think there's so much loneliness in our culture, and it's not just me thinking it, I think it's, I think it, I, I think it's easy to graph, is because we become such, uh, we, we become such a mobile society. Like, like growing up in Milwaukee, getting your first job in Texas, your second job in California, and your fourth job in New Jersey is not that big of a deal, right? People move all over the place, and so they move from their families, and they find themselves in, 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 in uh, cultures, they find themselves in cities isolated from family, from relationships. 
when I was a kid growing up, um, as I say, my parents grew up here. So my so my mom's my mom's mom and dad lived about ten minutes one side of us, and my my dad's mom and dad lived about five minutes from from another side of us. And we always had family near. My my dad's brothers were by. My dad's brothers lived next to my dad's parents on the same block. We were so close that my dad would jog to their house and we'd go pick them up and hang out with grandma and grandpa. Whatever we needed, family was there. When everything, when anything happened, family was there. And I, and I remember as a kid specifically, whenever the car would break down, grandpa, my uncle Freddie, and my uncle Tony was there to help my dad fix it. Whenever there was a problem, they were always there to fix it. If Uncle Tony's car would break down, my dad was there, my Uncle Freddie was there, my grandpa was there. This is an image I had as a kid growing up that was, that was imprinted in me, that like, whenever you're in trouble, family's there for you. And then I, and then I, um, I got older and I got kind of the college years and, and I decided to, uh, to, go to, to go to college uh, in Dallas, Texas. Um, kind of a long story, but um, I really was there because there was a girl there that I liked, and I lasted six weeks in college, and they kicked me out, and uh, I had a job. Um, I had a job on the other side of the, of the Metroplex in, in Dallas, and, and I was driving at the time a 1976 um, uh, Ford Mustang. It was, uh, it was orange and ugly and barely drove. And I was going to cross the Metroplex from where I lived to where I, to where I worked, and I would go back and forth and from where, I, from where I lived to where this girl lived, and we'd, I'd go back and forth. And I remember one particular evening driving back from her house and my car breaking down. And I remember standing on the side of the road completely alone. I literally had no one to call. And I remember sitting there going, what do I do? And I started running through my head, like, like okay, at that time you didn't, we didn't have cell phones, so I had to find a pay phone. So the first thing you did is you checked to see if you had, if you had coins in your pocket, and then you started looking for someplace you could walk to the pay phone. And I remember walking to the pay phone going, who will I call? It was one of, it was one of those loneliest moments in my entire life. Because I could think back to the time... When, when, my, when my dad's car broke down, he had lots of people to call, and the family was there to take care of them. As I got older in life, and as I got older in ministry, I always had this sense in my heart, in my life, that what church should be about is that whenever anybody's car breaks down, they've got someone to call. And when we came here to start Mercy Hill Church, that's what re- reverberated in my heart and in my mind. It's, it's never, it has never been about whether we were 50 or 500 or 5,000. It was always within my spirit, my soul to say, I want a community in which no one will ever not have someone to call when their car breaks down on the side of the road. And so we'd started the church and we really hadn't even started yet. Um, there, was a core, there was a small core group of us that were meeting. There was, about, there was about 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. We were just kind of in that range just prior to, to, us, to us getting launched. And, and uh, there, was a, there was a guy who we had met just miraculously who lived right around the corner here. At the time, he was living about two blocks up from here. And, uh, and we got connected with him, and he was a guy who was kind of, kind of wandering in his faith. He had he'd gone to Bible college, and then 
he kind of kind of wandered away from God, and and he got this this girl pregnant, and had a, had a had a uh, um, had a daughter with her, and he had lived out of state, but he moved here simply because she was here and his daughter was here, and he wasn't sure about church, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a part of church anymore, and we began to have a dialogue, we began to have a t- have a conversation, we went to coffee shop, and and he started attending our church for a while. And uh, I remember one particular Saturday, um, I was at my house, and my phone rang, and it was Kevin. And Kevin said to me, Pastor Tommy, I'm with my two kids, and my car just broke down, and I have no one else to call. Could you come get us? I got in my car, and I drove there, and I remember crying the entire way. Because I said at that point, we did it. We're that church. It was 50 people, it was 60 people, but we did it. Because that's what it was about. It was being about a community that was there when people needed us. Because we live in a world and in a time and in a place as human beings that need people. I bring this to you guys because I want that to be our commitment. I want that to be our church. I want that to be who we are. That there is such a commitment to each other. That there is such a joy in belonging to each other. That permeates our community. That when people come in, they say, this is it. This is what it means. This is what I need. I'm talking to you guys about this tonight for one reason. And one reason only. I want us to cherish our belonging. I want it to to, to mean so much to us that that the people around us can't help but be affected by it. I want us to be in a place in which which it's, it's not a bother that someone's calling us because their car broke down on the side of the road on a Saturday night when you're trying to prepare a sermon. That it's a joy to know that they know they can count on you not because of our heritage, not because of our citizenship, not because of our blood, not because of our skin color, but because of the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to give us each other. I want us to cherish our belonging. I want us to cherish our belonging to the church, to each other in the church. The church, God's family, Christ's body, is a great gift. It is a gift to the lonely world that needs to know the love of Christ expressed through us. It is a gift to our brothers and sisters that we interact with every week. They need to know they are cared for. They need to know that they are lifted up. They need to know that they are prayed for. 
and it is a gift to you. A place to be challenged. A place to be humbled and developed. A place to be changed. This only happens when we take our commitment seriously. If you belong to Mercy Hill Church, if, if, if this is your church family, if this is your church home, if you're a member of this congregation, whatever term you want to use to indicate that God has called you here, we are required to live in commitment to one another. I want this to be the truth that permeates every ministry of this church this year. We have the joy of belonging to God's church. That's our mission this year. Our mission this year is to take joy in our belonging. To have it be something that, that is, that is, gives us such joy, joy to be confronted, joy to be humbled, joy to be called, joy to be bothered, because we belong to each other because of the work of Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood. We belong.